practices that people aspire to create. History will prove one of us correct. Wait, 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 wait. You're not letting me finish, bro. This is how you become bulletproof. 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 Buddy, I feel like this is going to be a banger today. You know why? Because you, know, you prepared yourself. I'm always prepared. Well, you prepared me, so I'm not just there going go. off the cuff. That's well, that's not the reason it's going to be a banger. I think it's coming off of a weekend of intense 28 hours of dental dentist talk from our mastermind this weekend. We had our mastermind retreat in Salt Lake, or, or Park City, I should say. And uh, it's intense. It was an intense weekend. Fun, exhausting, fulfilling, all the things. Yeah, each day was what... 14 we hour started day, seven, start at 7, ended, ended at 9, 9 p.m. And right? had With snowboarding in between. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that first reel is so funny. So um, Peter and I were snowboarding. We had our videographer, Gage, follow us the whole time. It's going to be such amazing content. I can't wait. Hey, Trey, welcome to the uh, show. Yeah. You disrespectful jackass. Oh, he doesn't have his microphone in. Well, I show up when I feel like it, and I wanted to make sure that you knew I was coming. Okay, okay I appreciate it. Here I am. I don't mean that. You know, I was joking when I called you a disrespectful jackass, right? I don't believe anything you say anyway. So if you well, told me I was kind and loving, I'd worry about you. I do actually feel that way about you, Dwight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so well, and one day you'll get my name right too. So on top of that, it'll be oh, really sorry. good. Oh my God. <laughs> you know, I should just rename the two of you together. He has Trite. like Halfheimers. It's his dimension. I'm way better looking like, than He's him. getting old. So it's I don't dimension. appreciate that. What did you call me? Halfheimers? Yeah, like Alzheimer's, but like Halfheimers. Half yeah, that's true. Uh, but anyway, uh, I'm going to rename you guys to Trite, Trey and Dwight. Yeah, no, that sounds good. No, it's a good name. It's a good name. It's a good name. So Trey, uh, we were just we were just discussing kind of the 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 the, uh, the long days we had in the in the uh, mastermind retreat, um, and it was cool. It was um, you know we went from about seven to nine, seven a.m. to nine every night with obviously some skiing in there. You know, and just like I was thinking about something that, you know, I grew up with this concept, it, like you would hear about conferences you would go to in dentistry. And there was always this underlying theme that you learned more at the pool, you know, talking to the people who were at the conference in the concepts and brainstorming than you did in the sessions. And, um, you know, just because the sessions that, you know, the conference I used to go to were large, but you'd learn more just kind of brainstorming back and forth. And same thing applied, even on like the ski slopes, you know, we're riding up and you're riding with someone and you're talking about this and that, even though you're in an intimate group already, it's just, just the continuation of, and, um, you would think we'd get sick of talking about dentistry after, after two sessions and then going skiing, but, but here we are. Uh, you still know, what's interesting about, about that. Yeah. Still talking about it, talking about, talking about it. Dentistry is so much a part of your identity and Craig, this is something that I'm sure you you hear a lot, but I I I bought my dad's second practice from him a number of months ago, and he thought he was done, and he actually came back to me and said, "Hey, I'm ready to do the next one," because he he can't stop, really? he can't stop doing it because it's so much. He gets so much out of it in terms yeah. of other pieces of his life, and it's I, mean, I don't think that's so unique to dentistry, but it's certainly dentistry is a very big part of that because of how intimate and how relationship involved it is. Hey docs, how many times have you gone to a meeting only to come home to be served with a bunch of friction on all the things that you learned, right? The team didn't participate in the education that you got, therefore now you're coming home and the team is saying, 
hey, just give them till Thursday, it'll go away. So why not flip that on its head, right? Why don't you bring your team to the Bulletproof Summit? It's gonna be in June 14th and 15th, where you're gonna learn and innovate with your team. You're gonna create massive alignment, and it, I promise you it's where the rubber is gonna meet the road. So join us again, bulletproofsummit.com, and we'll see you this summer. Yeah, I don't think that's unique to dentistry. I mean, um, I think it's anyone who's got the, the, is in a position where they're admired, respected, right? Maybe leading people. And then to go from that to nothing, probably in retirement, like my dad with an airline pilot, right? I think there's, there's a change of like, oh shit, I kind of didn't know what I had, right? You know, didn't know the, the, the gift of kind of being, being in that position, you know? So yeah. I think it's cool. That, I, and I agree with you, Trey, it becomes your identity, especially when you do something 30 plus years. Um, sure. Well, and know? I think this is worth saying out loud to, because every time I interview a kid, there's always that, like we talked about last time, the golden age of dentistry is over bullshit yeah. that, you know, everyone's saying, but this is a gift. We get to do that every day, all day. And that is so rare, especially when you, you know, I used to always laugh, but I wasn't kidding. You'd go talk to your, all your hygiene patients and you introduce yourself and it's, you, you meet new patients and you start asking, Hey, so what do you do? Blah, blah, blah. I'd always get to, do you enjoy it? Hmm. And I would tell you 80% of people say, nah, it's a job. Yeah. And I mean, I, and maybe I'm rare, the rarity and the 20, but I, I love dentistry. I think it's a phenomenal industry. I love being a dentist. Mm -hmm. We're lucky. Yep. Definitely. Definitely. There were some common themes, Trey, and I know you weren't there. Um, um, there were some common themes that, that we kind of, you know, as we kind of had this intimate conversations and I'm not going to talk about all those, but there were some themes that kept arising. And, um, even in the sophistication of the group that we have at this level, right? Sometimes we have two, two year and three year masterminders. We have four year really... masterminders now, Pete. In that What's group, that? we have That's four crazy. four year people that have been for four years. Yeah, and so the evolution—it's crazy to watch from from, from start up to three point five million. There's one in there, but right? Where I was going was that there's a common theme, and I wrote down some of these that people still, I think, struggle with as a group, maybe not struggle with, but are constantly on the hamster wheel. And it's recruiting associates and, and onboarding them, um, increasing perio percentage or making sure that perio is not underdiagnosed with your hygiene team. And then a toxic people, right? Like how do you handle dysfunction in your team? And so that is the topic of today's discussion is the team. Because I think it's such trade, Trey, you said something about we're blessed to be here, right? And I think, I think your team can be that, 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 <laughs> how am I trying to say this? Either it can make you be the thing that makes you love your job even more or the thing that makes you just throw in the towel and say, screw it, I can't, I can't deal. And so having a team and curating a team and leading a team can be very self-serving, quite honestly. Because it can make, you know, you spend probably more awake and, and vibrant, vibrant times at work than you do at your house, right? Your good hours of the day are spent as your, as your thing. So it's, it's just incumbent upon you to really kind of look at this. So well, it, ampl it amplifies whatever you are. So mm -hmm. if you're a poor leader, your team will amplify your poor leadership. If you're a good leader, it'll amplify your good leadership. It just makes you more of what you are. If you're scarce, your team will amplify your scarcity. If you're abundant, it will amplify your abundance. It's it's something I think that's a great subject, by the way. Yeah. Um, yeah, so 
what we're going to do is discuss, do you guys, are you guys familiar with uh, the Pat Lincioni? Yep. I've read it. The five yep, dysfunctions. The just five yep. dysfunctions of a team. Great we're going to take that into a different dental extrapolation because I think, you know, I know we as dentists think that dentistry is so unique and it doesn't share the same problems as the manufacturing plant down the street or the, the, you know, the restaurant, but there's commonalities to all business, right? Anyone who has employees, you have team, a team member. And so there's five dysfunctions of a team. And so we're looking, if you're listening to this, this live, I'll try and break, I'm sorry, if you're just listening to this and not watching it, what we're doing is we're looking at a PDF of kind of the dysfunctions of a team. We're looking at the base of a five a tier pyramid with the base being number one is called the absence of trust. Um, and so this happens when a team member in a dental practice are, are not open about their mistakes or their weaknesses. Um, so do you guys have anything on this? I mean, any examples, any anecdotes about something like this that, that, uh, yeah, the absence of trust and how this is the, the formation of a dysfunctional team. Well, I, I have a lot to say on this because I always lament that, um, people can feel what you believe. And if you believe your team sucks, and I can mm. pretty quickly, you know, you guys joke around and call me the dental whisperer. I know at least Pete, you do, Trey. Mm. I don't know what you call me behind my back, but um, I have the same thing to your face. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, then I, we don't have time for all that. But um, I, I have this intuitive ability to know the general landscape of people's dental lives by the way they talk about things and the words that they use. And you, you hear, um, dentists talk about, you know how people are, no one gives a crap and blah, blah, blah. And you can't find good people and people can feel that. So if you believe that you can't influence your team to be better if you're constantly judging them. So the quote that kind of changed my leadership life was treat people as they currently are. You make them worse, treat people as they could be. You help them to become what they're capable of becoming. Mm. And if you believe you work with knuckleheads, and I think if you're, we're intellectually honest, I think many of the people listening to this are like, yeah, well, I, I work in, you know, Mesquite, Texas or Spokane, Washington, and we can't find good people. So mm -hmm. I just have a bunch of knuckleheads here and I have to just, you know, put down an index card, how to do every single thing in the office because we're all stupid. That erosion of trust, people feel it. Even though you think you're saying nice things like, good morning, Becky, and hope your kids are feeling better. If you believe that they're stupid, they will actually become worse. Right. I think that's a great quote. That is a great quote. And trust, there's a reason trust on this pyramid is at the bottom. Trust is the foundation for virtually everything we do. And and if you extrapolate that out, not just to the team, but to us in healthcare, uh, you get to, it's exactly the same. Trust is such a foundation of, of virtually any relationship or relationship mm -hmm. business. And one of the things that I've really, I've really harped on recently with, with everybody you hear everyone coming out saying, we have to educate the patient. And you sit down and realize that's a fool's errand. You, you educate your team and they walk out the door and they put all the stuff that you just taught them and it, it, they forget them. People have short-term memories. Everybody does. Educating a patient on what we know is never going to happen in a two-visit type of situation. They're going to forget it all. What you're really doing is you're building a relationship based on trust. They're not making it from a fully educated, choices from fully educated point of view. They're making it from a partially educated point of view. And the thing that tips them over the scale is the trust that you are doing what you say you are doing or that you are a, you know, a great healthcare provider, blah, 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 whatever, whatever it is that they trust you actually are. 
trust is the foundation of all of it. And the team is something that, you know, it's, it's what Craig said, when you're trying to make people better and they trust that you have their best interests in, in mind, that's how you develop these people into, it's an inspiration and to, to grow, basically. I, I think the top two personalities are, 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 or I should say characteristics of the absence of trust in this in this context, right, would be that, that it says here, teams that conceal their weaknesses and mistakes from one another and then hesitate to ask for help, provide constructive feedback, right? And so members of trusting teams obviously do the opposite. They, they admit that they're weak in a certain area. They're going to need some help today. I'm going to need some support and tomorrow I'll give you support, right? That starts allowing people to to trust that someone's got their, you know, like, like the Navy SEALs thing, someone's got their six, right? Someone's got their body. I think one of the words that's used very frequently in a team that has no trust is, you know, in order to not like and not trust people, you have to make them anonymous. So I'll hear this pathological comment coming from a lot of dysfunctional dental practices where it's like they made the appointment wrong or they don't know how to schedule this patient or they threw another patient in this or they didn't clean up the room. Who's the they? in that. So as soon as you start using the word they, you know you have a breakdown. And one of the things I'm most proud about is when I see something, you know, in my organization where it's like, hey, who took the handpiece out of Mini Lab 3? And then someone on, you know, because we have a Facebook team page, it's internal just for our employees. And someone will say like, oh, that was me, my bad. I have it. I put it in my cubby. I sterilize it and put it somewhere else. I'll get it back. I always private message that person, like good on you, like good ownership, Mm -hmm. like just to own it. Own it just owning it no matter what it is. And that Mm. starts from the top down. And in my own leadership journey, and it's kind of funny that we're having this conversation because I didn't know we were going to have it. And I I went to lunch with somebody who's like, hey, what was the big transition from, you know, your business? And it was this, it was me owning the fact that I am scared, I'm vulnerable, I don't have leadership skills, I'm treating Mm. you poorly, everybody's crying around me, I don't want to do this anymore. So that ownership at the leadership level, at the top level, trickles down. Yeah, that's, that accountability, right? That extreme accountability, which that, is a that's, very long book, but it's pretty good. That's a great piece of – that's a piece of an overarching picture, I think, that's basically a safe environment. And you mm-hmm. create it from the top down, like you said, Craig, and it starts with you. You create a safe environment for people to have two things, the authenticity and the vulnerability. So it's the authenticity to say, hey – and I use me as an example when I when I'm talking to my team. It's you got to be able to 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 have the authenticity to come to me and say, "Hey, your system sucks," or "What you did, mm-hmm. I didn't like," or this or mm-hmm. that. You should challenge me. I have to have the vulnerability to say, "Yeah, okay, wait, hold on." If they're saying that, there's a perception or reality or somewhere in between that is affecting this person, and I need to address it and not get hurt, not get angry, not get pissed. And that's only possible, one, when both sides, it's a two-way street, and two, when the environment is created by, and it's top-down, like you said, of safety to where everyone knows that's not just allowed, it's expected. Well, just, sorry, Pete, just to add one thing to what you just said, Trey, is that when you have that that ability to weigh in and add constructive uh, feedback to even you, the boss, the guy with the name on the building, you actually get engagement 
because like I'm going to tell you what I think and it's going to turn into action. So this base of trust, it's no wonder that lack of commitment is, you know, three or avoidance is four because trust builds all that. If you come up with a good idea and say, great, Becky, that's not how we do things. Shut up and spit and do your job or your suction or whatever it is. I always say shut up and spit. It's like a Freudian slip. It's terrible. It's like the <laughs> cue the Marvin Gaye. <laughs> wah, 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 wah. <laughs> Get it out. No, but anyway, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's like if you shut, shut up and just do your job, your job is not to think. Unfortunately, guys, that is a typical, terrible boss's dental environment. You know, we, we are trained to feel like we're the top of the food chain, and there's a lot of caustic dental culture out there, a lot more than we care to think about. Moving to number two up the pyramid. This one is probably my favorite. Um, as Craig called me toxic masculinity today, um, in a, in a YouTube short. I don't know if you saw that, Dre. I didn't see it. But... It's funny. Actually, it's funny. The <laughs> number two is as we go up the pyramid is called fear of conflict. Right. And so, and we see this, actually, I saw this a lot this weekend. Didn't you, Craig, where people oh, are big time. And I said this line, I said, look, anxiety comes from knowing what to do or what conversation to have and then just not having it for years and years and years upon year, you know, and it's like, it's it, people are afraid of, like my wife says, the sweaty back conversation. And sometimes it's just, just not conflict. Sometimes we interpret as lack of respect or, oh, this is going to cause drama. And I think it's the exact opposite, right? Because what, what do we, what do I see a lot of, even in my offices sometimes is something called subgrouping. I don't know if you guys have this where Clicks, uh, you bet. Karen had Karen's not, you know, I'm like, I'm going to use a fictitious name. Um, Sally's not working very hard and she, and she didn't check the patient out. Right. And, and they're spending time talking to another uh, employee or another team member. Right. And then they engage in conversation and before long that gets back to, right. And so it's these subgrouping of people that causes these, these tribes inside your culture, as opposed to just walking up to, to, to Sally and being like, Hey, Sally, we're team members, kind of did this. I want to give you some instruction here. Is that okay? And ask for permission to give you some feedback. You know, it, and it could call, that was probably not the, my best example, but you, you get what I'm saying is, is that we, for some reason, our default is let's talk shit about, about that person as opposed to just like, hey, let's come here and let's have a hard conversation and then we can squash it and move on. That's just human nature, Pete. Everybody, I know, I know. Why I know. is Ozempic so popular? Just because people can't put the chocolate cake down. There's a pill yeah. for everything that's hard. And yep. fear of conflict, when you're, upset, when you're upset, the first thing you want to do is get consensus. You want to go mm. vent. And even if you think you're not gossiping, but you're listening to that venting, you're part of a potentiation of gossip that's extremely erosive to the practice. As a yeah. leader move, when you hear that, and you know, maybe because I hated drama so much, but when someone would come to me and start drama, I would immediately be like, let's go talk to them right now, right now. Let's go get the other person, as opposed to, like you are saying, Craig, in, engaging in that, just even listening to that, wah, 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 right? You say, let's just have a direct conversation. And I think, when it, I think a high performing teams do this really well, right? They can, they can bicker like, like brothers and sisters or family members, but they still, there's no love lost. There's no love lost. Yeah. I One think thing that uh, makes it easier to actually make this a little bit more actionable on a very small level to people okay. that struggle with this, which is everybody is we, we read, and I say this, it's more in our leadership team of talking about it, but 
if you take conflict in terms of, you know, addressing conflict as a conversation and, and start to rename those conversations, courageous conversations, mm. it stops being negative mm. and stops being something to, to be afraid of. It starts to be something that, Hey, it's a courageous conversation. Go have it. Let's go do that. That sounds like something you should do. Not conflict. Yeah, it puts oh, a shit, hero let me title hide on it, Trey. Yeah. Let me hide in the corner from conflict. Put mm. the hero title. That's exactly what that is. Yeah, or or it's a, co- a carefrontation, or it could be um, That's verify, good. clarify. Those are, I mean, I've heard these things like, hey, let me just clarify what that meant. That's lame. But I mean, I like Trey's. Trey's is way I better. Th- I think the most Let's important. Let's have a careversation. Is that what you just said? A carefrontation. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just saying the names. The, the spirit, it doesn't matter what the, what the hell you call it. The most important thing is that. I just want to make it very clear because I said something and I don't want to get lost. Listening to the gossip is the potentiation of the gossip because you ask most people, I'm not, they're not gossiping. I'm just listening. They're venting. I don't want to be rude. No, you're being rude to the person that they're talking about. Mm -hmm. Hey, John is not here right now, Trey. Can I go grab John? I really don't want to have a conversation about John without him being here. Trey, is it okay if I go get him? Oh, well, no, I'll talk to him later. Okay, great. And then you cut that conversation off. Because you don't know how many times I've had conversations where like, I don't talk. I just listen. It's the same thing. Love it. That's, that was, that's great. That's great. As we move up, the, the third characteristic of a dysfunctional team is lack of commitment. Um, and so, yeah. I mean, you guys, Trey, why don't you jump on this? Because it seems to be like your jam here, buddy. Uh, lack of commitment, I think, is a very important thing that, and I'm going to approach this from a different angle. I think... All of us, obviously, we are committed to our own organizations. And commitment mm-hmm. is important, but commitment is not necessary for everybody at the same level that you are committed to your own organization. And there are frontline workers. I mean, think of a beehive. There's the queen who's fully committed to the ongoing living of this hive. And then there's the worker bee that really is just there. And they have a role, but go to Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Some people just need to pay the rent and that's mm-hmm. totally okay. There are, there are, there's room for those people too. They are committed at a different level, but they are committed. And part of that, um, on any varying level of a commitment from that standpoint, you always have to remember that you need the engagement. So how you roll out. And it was funny as I used to be very anti this and now I'm, I'm deep into it, but things like your purpose or your mission or passion, whatever you want to call it, your values, um, those should be real. They should be something that everybody knows. They should be things that mean mm-hmm. something to you and then mean something to the organization. And you should, you should have those things, not just explained and documented, but you should be living them as the example. And then you should be able to speak to those things in front of that group to where you can get the message across. So how yep. you roll it out is what's important there. And that develops so this that is commitment a big, this at is whatever a big level. leadership thing then, Trey, is what I'm hearing. Cause, cause, Correct. Right, so if you're creating that clarity around the direction and the priorities of what you want the practice to be like, and and you've you've crystallized that as the leader, then it is incumbent upon the, the high-performing team to exhibit that commitment, you're right. So one who does not have it is just like everyone's kind of floundering around. Craig, that's why you really push on our masterminders and in the summit, really, really pushing on the the curation of the vision. Well, the, the why specifically, because a strong enough why will transcend a lot of the strategy, like the culture will eat the strategy for breakfast. So if you have a religious, I'm just using this as a small example, like some of our dentists and our mastermind have like a spiritual um, 
life outside their dental practice, but like they could incorporate like an agnostic version or a non-denominational version of that into their values because that resonates with them. And that's a compelling why. Mm -hmm. So Trey, you said something interesting. You said, I wasn't always a fan of doing this. And now I realize I am. When did this happen and what changed and why, if you don't mind? Uh, yeah, great question. And I do not mind. So this is, let's talk, a, uh, we'll use a mission statement. Everybody talks about, you know, if you go to any group on a business, right, they'll throw a mission statement out as we got to develop a mission statement. And then if you're in an interactive thing, it's like a weekend course, you're like, let's sit down and take time and develop it. And if you, in dentistry, you can take every one of those mission statements in a room and it's going to be exactly the same. It's like a leadership book. Take all the chapters, rearrange them, change the author. They're all the same. They have a lot of very similar stuff in them and it's worthless. It's stuff like we strive to protect oral health and you know, there's like five buzzwords in all of them. It's complete it's like, bullshit. It's the posters oh, no. that you buy online, like teamwork yeah. and the people rowing. To. We endeavor yeah. to. So I, I threw that. all that shit out and I remember thinking, we don't need any of that shit. We're here to treat people, period, and you run forward. And what was funny is I had a, an office meeting, a team meeting. This is when I had one office and it was a big office, but it was, it was we'd have 25 people in a room sitting there and I had written a mission statement and I had told everybody that. And I asked him, I said, can anybody say the mission statement? Nobody could say the mission statement. So I came back the next, uh, it was next month. And I said, I'll offer uh, anybody a hundred dollars if you can say the mission statement. No one did it. I had a weekly meeting after that. Same thing. I came in, I said, I will offer anybody $500 if you can say the mission statement. Not one person could say it. Mm. And what's funny is knowing that I did that all the way through, I then approached one office manager um, down the road. I guess I was at three offices because this was uh, she was at Brenham. But I approached her individually and I, I offered her $1,000 to say it. And I puckered up a little bit. <laughs> and knowing that I had been through all of those escalations, she still didn't go learn it to to figure it out. I mean, it was like three sentences, four sentences long. And I realized, cause it's fully unmemorable. It has yeah. no bearing on anything. It wasn't, it wasn't productive. It wasn't good. So what we did is I spent a ton of time actually building that why that is real. So my values went through over and over of, of, you know, iterations of what I thought was good. And then I got to where I, where I have it, the mission statement got down to two words. Everything got to where we got to where it was memorable and functional. And now we roll it out in big ways. And actually when I did that, I rolled it out with a full retreat where we brought all the offices together, rented out urban air and through a, you know, brought in a speaker and our values are an acronym. They spell fight. So our deal was, you know, when we, was this we trend? fighting on this? Uh, I probably did that. The first retreat, the values retreat was in 2020. It was in February okay. of 2020, right before shit hit the fan. Mm. Got it. I'm and gonna, now it's big. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give selfish credits to the bulletproof mastermind for that one. For, for the bulletproof mastermind, that, that yeah, was you pre, were part that of was that. Pre, uh, that was pre. That was pre. That was pre me. I was. Okay. I was the next year. Okay, you just well, got I'm still gonna get, I'm still gonna get credit. But I'll, I'll, I'll give you credit nonetheless, just because I like thank it. Thank you, Trey. Thank you. You're All welcome. All right. Appreciate As that. we go up in the pyramid, the uh, the the second from the top of this pyramid, as we go towards the peak, is called avoidance of accountability. Um, and this 
This is really just a dysfunction when occurs when team members don't hold each other accountable, possibly due to lack of commitment to the practice goals. Um, or fear of conflict. Or fear of conflict, right? As it as it keeps, or or absence of trust, as you keep yeah. as you keep rolling the marble down this this pyramid, right? So they are obviously are building from one another. Um, yeah, the accountability is, is a huge thing. And, and Craig, you gave a great example of someone who you then acknowledged, "Hey, I really appreciate you just stepping up and owning that 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 flaw or that that faux pas you had in the practice because it sets an, it sets a good culture where people are allowed to make mistakes." And I think when you're allowed to make mistakes, you can kind of feel a little bit more accountable, right? There was no massive repercussion that happened because they didn't put it back. It was just, hey, you know, try to do better kind of thing, you know? And I think um, I think this is good. I think this is good. I want to hear what you guys have to say. I think the marble rolling downhill is exactly what, I mean, you nailed it on that. This happens because of the previous three and among other things, but accountability is on both sides. You have to be both personally accountable and then you have other people making sure you're accountable. So it has a lot of, a lot of angles to get accountability. I also will tell you, this is probably the most difficult thing I have ever faced in my organization is constantly having appropriate accountability. Mm -hmm. You mean just across your organization, right? Yes. Getting it in place and keeping it in place. Have you ever noticed, and I want to, I'm curious what you guys think about this, and Craig, this goes back to the we, or maybe Trey, you said that we, um, we sh- you know, who is we kind of thing, but if, if many are accountable to, to an outcome, then it never seems to get done. Hey everybody, you know dentistry is a team sport. We all learn individually in silos. The doctors go to their CE, the assistants go to some other thing, the office managers go to somewhere else, and hygienists, etc. This is a great opportunity for everybody to learn at the same time and be on the same page so that you don't leave with a bunch of useless knowledge. You actually learn to implement the stuff you learned. So join us June 14th and 15th at the beautiful JW Marriott Camelback Resort in Scottsdale, Arizona. Go to bulletproofsummit.com and register you and your entire team. You will not dis- be disappointed that you did so. See you soon, guys. Right. Um, maybe not never, but it's just, it, it creates an environment where it's everyone kind of waits for the other person to do or take action or something in accountability. And so like, I don't like it when massive groups of people are responsible to an outcome. I like when there's when there's one person like, Hey, well, you know, for example, that, when Pete. you have an emergency with 911, it's you point you come, you know, they teach you, you call 911, you come here, help me do chest compressions. You go seek out, blah, blah, you know, and it's, and it's specific. You, you go handle things as you divide and conquer. Um, well, there's a small nuance that to that Pete. So in our practice, we have um, this by when board and mm. if it doesn't, if it makes the buy when board, it's a date, it's what it is, and it has the person, the who, what, and when. But the who, the person, does not necessarily have to be the person that does it. It's the person who owns the result. Mm-hmm. So I think that you can work in small teams, but there has to be one person that answers for it. And if that's and 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 I like that little nuance to it that this is the person that reports back. And if this person's not going to be here on the Thursday when it gets reported back, they still own the results. So they went out and they got somebody else to say, I'm not going to be here on September 15th. Can you own the result for this week? Because you own you own that task, whether or not you're present or not. And 
And Craig, you made a great distinction right there. I want to I want to pause for a second. This is actually one of the lessons I learned from my my one of my my boss in two thousand one, and it was called the monkey on your back lesson. And it and so many people, when you task them or give them something to do, when they come back to talk to you about it, hey, this is where we are on it, you know, and I've done this, this, and this. A lot of people, unfortunately, think that they've put the monkey back on your back. Now you kind of are owning that. And I think it's really imperative to say, that's fantastic. You're doing great. Just want to make sure you're clear, kind of, you're the one taking this. It's not, this, this, this is not shared now amongst the two of us, just because you've communicated where you are. You need to own the finality of this. And I think it's really important. I can't tell you how many times I've had breakdowns in my work relationships by just not clarifying that you still own this, please, please. You got to, you got to keep with this. You know, well, I told you about it. You know, you hear that. Well, I told you where I was with it. I told you what happened. I thought that was good. And I just didn't create massive clarity around that accountability of finishing the task. And that's, that's shame on me. Shame on me for that. Right. Good for you. You see what I do, Peter. I'm the king of we are doing it, but you're yeah. going to provide the result. <laughs> it's yep. constant. Like, Peter, you see that with me. Even when you're building a bonus system or you're building something that requires metrics, if you're going to be paid extra money to do it, you're going to procure the data, you're going to reference the data, you're going to prepare the data, and you're going <laughs> to hand it to me. So all I have to do is look at it and say, yep, looks good. If your bonus requires me to stay up on Friday night with a spreadsheet, that's not a bonus for you. That's a bonus yeah. for me. <laughs> Pete, do you do this as well in terms of of assigning somebody to be responsible for any given task or policy or metric or anything we, like that? Yes. To a certain degree, we try to, right? I mean, some things, trade you can't avoid yeah, the when it's appropriate. You can't avoid the collective to be accountable, right? Sure. Mm -hmm. Well, and what, I, what I'm getting at is that all three of us are up here talking about this and all three of us do this. We do the exact same thing. I, I can it's tell you this. It's super actionable. It's super positive and everyone needs to think along those lines to get that accountability in place. I, I can tell you this, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this as you've grown locations and scale and, and your disparate locations, that it is harder. Look, when you're one office, it's really just, it's easier to say the we, let's go do this, right? It's an easier to maintain and control things. Some of our bonus system has been designed so much around the aggregate of how we all do, because it was imperative for me to create you know, one brand and one culture and one big team, even though we are in different locations. And as I've gone now to five locations under this one brand, it's, it's, it's tough because sometimes, and I think it's human nature, you just see that there's um, a lot of like, well, let's see what they do before we take action kind of things, you know? And there's some, some offices that are overperforming and then some that are underperforming and the reward is not, is not merit-based as much as it could be. And I don't know the way out of that. Maybe I'm addressing it wrong, but I'm having no. to looking at redesigning my bonus structure based on three things, Trey, uh, bonus for the individual. Because I, I think to myself, look, if I was in their shoes, I would probably react the same way, meaning that I'm not going to go above and beyond if it's something out of my control. So I'm trying to, to put things back into personal level. How much can you control that individual office location level, how much can you control? You still have some control. And then the aggregate office of all five collectively working together. Um, 
to kind of change that that accountability because I just am seeing the bigger you go, it's it's easy to sit and say, oh, let's see what they do. You know, let's see how things go. So I think you're fighting a battle that's an evolution. Uh, you start mm. by putting things together and putting this collective group together and bonusing according to the whole. It's much easier with one office than it is with five. Yeah. At two, at three, everybody's still running down, seeing the avenue. But as you get bigger, it no longer works because mm -hmm. now you have a bystander effect. It's, mm. you know, when, when the old lady falls, you know, in the middle of the, uh, or let's say right outside your office, you run out there and help her. When mm. you're in a group of 15 people and an old woman falls, everyone stands there because everyone goes, mm, they'll do it. I don't yeah. do it because someone else will take care of it. Or should I? You so know? inaction occurs because of that psychological mm -hmm. phenomenon. And it's no different in this. Excellent, Trey. Trey, and what as did you, you have group, for breakfast today? Uh, yeah, you, you got to ask me the right for questions. Now. But uh, yeah, uh -huh. pure what drugs. It's fantastic. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think the other issue you, you run into that uh, from, and we'll, we'll talk a business sense at this point, as you scale and that bystander effect takes place among offices that also trickles down among individuals, what ends up happening is that you, you try to centralize everything at first, then you get bigger, you remove accountability mm -hmm. on accident. And what do you do? you decentralize and you place accountability back at the practice level. Yes. That well tends to be said. the evolution. I mean, say that, uh, that I wish we could, I wish there was, I had a repeat button of what you just said, cause it'd be hard to make you say that again, but that was spot on Trey, spot on. Thank the, you. I'll, the, I'll, I'll see you guys later. <laughs> yeah. You might want to end with that. I'm done. That was, just, that was so good. Attached. That was so good. You can that just drop, so you can drop the tripod, just kick it. Yeah. I'm just going to kick the mic over. All right, let's move to well the last done, one. Um, so the, the top of the pyramid is something called an inattention to results. Um, and, you know, well, let, let's, let's talk about this for a second as it pertains to dentistry. And I'm going to pull up this last slide. It's the inattention results is members of a dysfunctional team that they stagnate or fail to grow. They rarely defeat competitors. They lose achievement-oriented employees, okay, is some of the signs of the dysfunctional teams. So how that relates to dentistry, I think, is kind of the ethos of, like, bulletproof, really, right? It's all about foot on the gas. I always say if you're not, if you're not growing, you're contracting. You're not, you know, you can't coast. you got to pick one, either grow or contract, but, you, but there's no coasting. And so... Um, yeah, and just kind of like the submission of like, oh well, I've got DSOs coming in, or I've got new competition popping up, and you're you're like not up for the fight, and I think that's a that's just something I see, honestly. Well, I think it's also you get what you tolerate. So mm. all these, you know, with the marble rolling down down again, this is the base of the pyramid. If you get all this. What you're doing is you're saying, we have a culture of tolerance, tolerance of ineptitude, tolerance of gossip, tolerance of low trust. So even the A players are like, what the hell am I doing here? Yeah. And then it ultimately leads to, we don't care, results are abstract, and my working towards any given result is being mitigated by people who don't give a, give a crap. It's the, it's the death spiral. And this is the final result of the death spiral, no one cares. This is your ability to, if we get into the 
the team aspect of it, I think. This is your ability to motivate everybody to, one, see the end goal, but two, row in the same direction to achieve the end goal. This is the inspiration piece. This is the piece that tells everybody whether, and I'll use my personal thoughts as an example, and I've gone through this for years in terms of trying to figure out what my own personal mission is, and I have mine's two words, to inspire and grow. And I imply that, that was or four, apply that. It's okay. Uh, Leave them alone. Inspire and grow. That's three. So you almost had it. Two no, inspire. In, inspire. Oh, two. two. You're adding the two. You're adding inspire. two. Okay. Inspire. Oh, yeah. Inspire. You're right. That's right. It's a hyphenated word. Hyphenated. Hi. It sorry, is. man. So you said four syllables or four words? I'm sorry. Either way. You know, okay. it, uh, math isn't, isn't really yeah. relevant. Uh, okay. So it's four. We'll agree to disagree. You need to motivate people. And you have to motivate them towards a cause. And mm -hmm. it's a it's basically a race. If you don't have a finish line, if they don't know where they're going, it it's very hard to really get there and get there well or get there quickly. Everything needs to be defined. Trey, we Craig and I this weekend, we you know, we had to take advantage of our bulletproof videographer being in Salt Lake. He actually lives there. So we we did some kind of things to talk about bulletproof and just promoting the summit. And kind of getting around and it kept coming back to kind of what we just both feel so strongly about and this relates to this number five is that this bring your team this alignment of team right creating that creating all the things that we've just talked about but it, it really i think it focuses on the results like here's what we're going to expect here's what we're going to hold each, each other accountable to here's what we're going to agree craig what's that saying about buy-in when you have buy-in well, if you don't weigh in, you can't buy in. Right. And I think if we're all honest with ourselves and this journey that we've all gone through in our practices, the biggest portion of the evolution was us. It's like, you know, you could be a thumb person or a finger person, like finger pointing out thumbs, it's me. And those who get furthest in life are the ones that take extreme accountability. And every single five steps of this of this pyramid has always come back to a personal thing. And the dentists out there, because of our virtue of our training, I think it's it's us. We need more training. We need more clinical training. But we're, we're discounting the power of the team. And as we started the podcast, we said that the team is an amplification of what, what you are. If you're a dysfunctional leader, you're going to have a dysfunctional team. If you're a great leader, you're, you can conquer the world. I'm glad and, you're bringing that up. And no actually. one focuses on this. Can you and, pause for a second yeah. on that? And this is a little bit of a rant. <clears throat> so... So you hear this, you hear some lines in business a lot. Yeah. Craig, we talked about this a little bit this weekend. One you just said, be a leader. Okay. Don't say anything yet. Don't say anything. Yeah. Another one we hear a lot. I know. Work you on your business. Yeah. Not in your business. Okay. So these are great buzzwords. And by and the I way, love... I'm going to pick on my boy, Sully Sullivan, who I love very much. And he's not, he's actually working on his business. He had those words like, in block letters on the drywall of his building. And I just think that's so funny because like, if you just tell people this year, 2024, I'm going to work on my business versus in it. People are like, yeah, you go well, get it. I wasn't done. Let me, let me, let me complete, let me complete where I was going. Right. I know you just have like, like microphone Tourette's and just want to get in there and say something. Okay. Let me, finish. yeah. Like this one, you're an asshole. Uh, sorry. <laughs> Tourette's. Tourette's. Sorry. <laughs> All right. So, but where I was going with this is like, I think it's important. So we, Trey, we broke down this weekend. I, I wanted to pause on the, on your business. And I said, so let's go over like what characteristics of, of working in your business look like and what it's on your business. And we, 
Dwight and I sat there and wrote down all these things, right? It's not doing payroll, it's working on your business, but, but on your business could be marketing or visionary work or, or leader, curating leadership. And so I think, I think when someone says, be a leader, everyone shakes their head and yeah, 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 I'm be a better leader and do this. But there's, there's, there needs to be examples. And I think this podcast was a good example of kind of looking at the levels of leadership that you're going to expect, not just in your team, because honestly, the, at the end of the day, guys, what I'm trying to say is the, 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 uh, what am I trying to say? Creating a high performing team, i.e. lack of a dysfunctional team is the best example or best display of leadership you could have. Agreed? Agreed. It's right. a product. So, it's the product of your leadership. Yes. And so this topic is really about leadership, but it actually gives tangible things to be like, be a better leader. And everyone's like, yeah, yeah, be a better leader. Right. Like, and some I'm guilty of it too. You shake your head. Yeah. I'll work on my business, not on it, you know? And, and, and I think it's incumbent upon us or it's, it's vital for us to break down what these actually mean so that we don't have any more just head nodding and like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We do that. I do that. And so, so good. Good on us. We did it. We broke it down. Was it well-received? You know, Trey, I, I think we're going to get lots of uh, Trey Tippett on fire emojis on in the comments. So yeah, so good. Yeah, this is, All right, this guys, is a I, very I don't have anything co coherent else. and and really well uh, curated content, Trey. Um, I don't know what you've done with the original Trey Tippett, but I like this Trey Tippett. It's a good Trey Tippett. This is not the two This is two maybe three What's wrong with the original one, asshole? Yeah. Oh, I love I love all Trey Tippett's all all multiple personalities of him, but this one I like particularly a lot. All right, guys, enjoyed it. Everybody, yeah. we will see you. Um, actually, any announcements? Yeah, make sure big you... announcement. Uh, okay. Make sure you register for the summit June fourteen and fifteen, not January, like I was saying at the uh, recording. Um, but uh, June fourteen and fifteen in sunny Scottsdale, Arizona, at the Camelback Resort. Go ahead and make sure you bring your team this year. We actually have group discounts. We hear this time and time again. Damn it. I wish I would have brought my team. I didn't know. Um, bring your team. Don't miss out. The leverage, the power of the summit is when you bring your team. So don't go yeah. alone. And we've got Deborah Nash coming. We've got uh, Uchi Oriatu. Uchi right? Oriatu. Yeah, we've got some good talent. I mean, and, it, and it's going to be really focused. The tracks are really focused on team development, you know, of hygiene. Um, team members, you know, things management. like that. So it's, yep. it's tracks that have individual um, development, but then time to then get together and, like we're saying, come together and create that massive alignment where you get massive traction on Monday morning when you go back from, from Scottsdale. And that is the most frustrating thing about dentistry or dental conferences. We've all, we all have said this. You go, you learn, you get fired up, and you come back to a team who had zero exposure to that and you're saying, damn it, no one understands me. This team sucks and blah, blah, blah. And they are sitting there saying like, oh, there's Dr. Smith. Give it till Thursday. It'll be done. And we won't have to hear this shit anymore, right? They didn't have the buy-in because they didn't get exposure to it. And so yeah. that, that, is, that is kind of our mission is to, is to make the lives of dentists a little easier by just involving your damn team. Yeah. And co-creation, there's writing and strategic exercises to actually curate your action plan. It's not just theory. It's put your, okay, we're going to stop talking now. Here's 10 minutes, break out into your teams mm -hmm. and do this exercise and curate this, ex this strategic plan with them. It's, uh, I'm really proud of this one. I'm really proud cool. of where we've arrived. Cool. I enjoyed it, fellas. 
We'll see everyone next time. Over and out. Thanks, Trey. See you guys.